You're listening to Business Extra, a podcast by The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm your host, Cody Combs, and this is a special climate edition coming from the COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai. Just a few days ago, new winners of the Zayed Sustainability Award were announced on the second day of COP28. Every year, the awards honor individuals, organizations, and schools that showcase an array of efforts aimed at building a more sustainable future. Over 15 years, the award celebrated more than 100 winners, and the prize has positively impacted the lives of 384 million people. This year, the prize announced it would be increasing its endowment from 3.6 million to 5.9 million to strengthen its commitment to promoting sustainable and humanitarian development. We are delighted to be joined by two of those winners from the Climate Action category, which was a new category this year, and the Food category. Each of them is awarded $1 million to help scale their innovative solutions and deliver transformational progress around the world, especially across the Global South. But before we start, if you want to get all the latest episodes of Business Extra, please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I am joined now by Ahmed Sarani, who has won in the food category, the Gaza Urban and Peri-Urban Agriculture Platform at GUPAP from Palestine, won for its contributions to supporting a more resilient agriculture sector in Gaza. It facilitates access to locally produced food, providing job security to 200 women, agripreneurs, and benefiting more than 7,000 people. I'm also joined by Caroline Slutweg, who won in the new climate action category, Kelp Blue, A Namibian SME won the prize for its ambitious efforts to cultivate large-scale kelp forests in deep waters, contributing to the restoration of ocean biodiversity while capturing 100,000 tons of CO2 from the atmosphere annually. Additionally, their operations have generated job opportunities for coastal communities. Thanks so much, both of you, for joining us. First off, Caroline, can you provide a brief overview of Kelp Blue and its mission to cultivating large-scale kelp forests in the deep waters? Yes, absolutely. So we um, cultivate giant kelp, and giant kelp is the largest seaweed found on the planet. And um, one thing to know about seaweed is maybe a lot of people think it's that smelly stuff that's on the beach, but it is absolutely, um, it's there, but there you can do so much more with kelp than just pick it up from the beach. It is an enormously beneficial organism for the environment. And what we are doing is we are cultivating it offshore in Namibia. Um, a lot of people um, probably don't know, but the majority of our planet is actually ocean. So there is a lot of ocean that we can be using. So what we're doing is we're cultivating kelp offshore away from the um, coastal line so we can really cultivate at scale. So how does the cultivation of large-scale kelp forests contribute to the restoration of ocean biodiversity? So kelp forests um, are things that are called ecosystem builders. And an ecosystem builder is anything that has the ability to create or destroy an ecosystem. And the biggest example of an ecosystem builder are, of course, human beings, both positively and negatively. But kelp is a positive example of an ecosystem builder. So around 800 species have been known to take shelter and live in and around these kelp forests. And they really are forests. So just think of a rainforest which has the trees, but it has everything else around it. It has the orchids, it has the vines, it has the animals, it has the insects. A kelp forest is exactly the same, except it's underwater. So when you plant kelp forests, you promote an enormous amount of marine biodiversity. You touched on seaweed, and it's hard to romanticize or get people to care about the idea of seaweed. I was speaking with someone who was talking about coral reef restoration. He said it's an uphill climb because you can get people to save the trees, you can get people to save animals who live near those trees because they're there, you see them, but all this amazing stuff underwater, it's hard to convince people to donate or 
act on that cause. Is that a problem for you or is it changing? It, it is a problem. Um, and if you look at the SDGs, life below water is the one that's most underfunded and gets the least amount of attention. And even at COP this year, the ocean pavilion is literally on the periphery. But at least it's here. So a few years ago, there wasn't a, 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 an area for oceans. It's starting to increase prominence, but you're absolutely right. A lot of people do not know what goes on underneath that blanket of blue. And maybe you fly over it, or maybe you see it on a map, and all it is is, is blue. There is no, There are no contours. No one understands. So awareness does need to increase, and we're hoping to do that. And one thing that the Sheikh said to me, that it was great that we are shining a light on ocean. And also the Sustainability Prize will allow us to hopefully increase awareness of the ocean and how important it is for the climate. Because we can draw down carbon. It's absolutely something that needs to be done. But if we don't have healthy oceans, we will not have a healthy planet. And we'll return to the ocean in just a moment. Ahmed, can you provide a brief overview of the Gaza Urban Paraurban Agriculture Platform and its role of supporting a more resilient agriculture sector in Gaza? Uh, Gaza Urban Agricultural Platform has been uh, established يعني, six years uh, ago. We are very much uh, interested in reviewing and influencing the agricultural policies in Palestine, as well as helping the local community to have their own power spaces to influence these policies, as well as to advocate the rights of the urban family farmers, mainly women, women agribuners. That is one of our uh, key target group we are uh, working with. We helped uh, now at least uh, 250 women to have their own power space called Urban Women Agribuners Forum. Uh, this forum has achieved uh, some very good achievements regarding the some policy changes uh, that are related to the uh, women, improving the resilience of the women agribuners. That's actually part of our strategy to continue working with enhancing the resilience and sustainability of women, uh, small and micro enterprises in Gaza. You know, in Gaza, uh, women are playing uh, an important key role in agriculture since agriculture depends mainly on family work and family workers. It is basically uh, urban family farming. Uh, so the women are always there. Women are very much involved. Uh, but the challenge still is how to uh, improve the voice, the role, uh, and the activism of women agribuners uh, so that they can make change happen for the sake of their uh, resilience the sustainability of their livelihoods, and improving their lives uh, under such protracted crisis conditions, which is really very challenging for the uh, farmers, women agribuners, as well as, as the, the whole community. And what are some of the details as to how Gupap facilitates access to that locally produced food in Gaza? Yes, we are doing this actually through uh, two main strategies. The first one is to support women with the basic needs to uh, to improve the productivity and the marketing of their products, their enterprises. We support women with the key uh, basic materials for production, uh, some equipments uh, to start the production process, as well as helping them in marketing process through issuing uh, the uh, what is called the quality control statement that will help the women to create new marketing channels uh, in the local market. The other important strategy is how the women uh, to be uh, much more organized in a local forums. And that is uh, very important to feel their own power. They have their own forum, local forum, community-led forum, led by the women, so that they can uh, influence policies. They can advocate their rights, uh, even in uh, uh, critical situations and conditions. 
the other important issue is facilitating spaces for the uh, participatory capacity sharing. That's very important. Uh, we used to do this. We will be continuing in this important strategy, capacity sharing, not only a traditional training courses. No, we are depending this important strategy to facilitate more and more new, innovative, and regenerative spaces for participatory capacity sharing among the women themselves in Gaza with those in West Bank, even at the regional level, for the women from Gaza to be and Palestine to be much more involved and interact with other similar women in the regional countries like Jordan, Egypt, uh, Morocco, Tunisia, and so on. And Caroline, Kelp Blue is said to capture 100,000 tons of CO2 annually. Can you elaborate on the process and the environmental impact of the initiative? Sure. And that is a number that when we are at full scale, we'll be able to do that. We certainly hope to. Um, I will be very clear that uh, the science still needs to be there to prove that number. That is something that we're working on. We have set up the Kelp Forest Foundation in order to do this. So we're working on the methodology in order to prove the carbon capturing ability of seaweed. What's really difficult is that we are at uh, the very beginning of this research. Um, terrestrial um, carbon capture and, for example, um, forestry has uh, benefited from years and years and years of research. It is not so with the ocean and it is not so with seaweed. So we have kicked off that process. So we're developing the methodology in order to measure how much carbon it captures. And then we hopefully then in once we have um, that methodology approved, we will be gathering the um, data to be able to prove it and then have that be peer-reviewed. So hopefully we will come up with a, a blue carbon credit. That work is being done um, right now. That work is being done through the foundation. It is open, it is accessible, and it will be public for other kelp farmers also to take advantage of in future. And Ahmed, what kind of positive changes have you seen as a result of your program in Gaza? I think one of the biggest uh, uh, clear changes or outcomes that has been resulted from our strategic interventions along the past years in Gaza is for the women agribuners. You know, in Gaza, uh, there are around 3,000 women agribuners, 3,000. So far, we have reached uh, only 250 women. Our plan and the strategy to reach uh, more and more by the coming years, hopefully through the uh, Zayed Sustainability Prize, uh, that will give us a great opportunity to reach uh, hundreds, uh, additional hundreds of women. The other important thing is that we have so far uh, successfully managed to uh, develop uh, what is called a participatory community-led solidarity marketing approach. We experienced this important approach along the past two years. We helped uh, 250 women. Uh, we accessed also so many other uh, families uh, headed by women who are in need for food. So we were buying the food from the women as well as providing the food baskets the nutritional food baskets to uh, families uh, in poverty or in vulnerability uh, in Gaza Strip. We want to develop this regenerative approach, and uh, we are sure that the prize will help us uh, to, to develop and continue this regenerative and innovative uh, approach to be uh, working as a sustainable program in the coming years. The, the wide range of networking and exchange uh, was also one of our achievements uh, and that we want to continue is facilitating more and more spaces for networking, capacity sharing, exchange of knowledge, experience uh, that are being resulted or harvested from the, the work of women agribuners. 
women entrepreneurs in Gaza and in Palestine generally has uh, successfully managed to develop a lot of positive coping strategies under such a protracted crisis situation. And uh, exactly like what is happening now uh, under the uh, the ongoing war in Gaza, that resulted really a very bad situation, unbearable conditions for all the population there. So the challenge for us and for all other actors is the recovery, the early recovery and the reconstruction of the damaged women enterprises, small and micro enterprises. And that is becoming really a big challenge for uh, for us as well as for other actors involved in the agricultural development in Gaza. And amid the ongoing crisis in Gaza, how do you juxtapose that with the optimism and hope you know, provided by this award compared to the ongoing crisis? It um, obviously was not easy for you to get to the United Arab Emirates to accept this award. Can you uh, expand on that at all? I think from what we saw so far under this crisis is that the majority of the women entrepreneurs play uh, their products played uh, an important role in supporting or providing food for the uh, displaced families. Each single woman entrepreneurs uh, transformed her house or housing unit to a shelter house. Each woman entrepreneurs uh, received uh, like uh, other Palestinians' houses received uh, and hosted uh, many other families in their home. So the challenge for them uh, is how to provide the food. The majority of the women actually provided what they have already from the fresh food or processed food for those families. And that put the women entrepreneurs in a big challenge, as well as other urban family farmers. I think we uh, need to build on the existing positive coping strategies. That's our biggest lessons learned from the past uh, wars happened in Gaza until this moment. But the uh, the destruction is very wide, is very uh, deep, uh, and the need is becoming very, very high uh, day by day, which means uh, a lot of interventions are needed uh, so far. Based on the recent uh, quick assessment we have done in Guba uh, during the last uh, few weeks and days, is that 30% of the women uh, uh, enterprises has been totally affected or damaged. Another 30% has lost already the ability for production, and the rest are still working with very limited uh, capacity. This important sector is uh, is really very key. As you know, women, small and micro enterprises play a key role uh, under the crisis in providing uh, food and support for uh, other families in need or in vulnerability under a crisis situation like uh, what is going on uh, now in Gaza. And Caroline, in what ways have local communities assisted and positively been impacted by Kelp Blue? We are operating in Luteritz, which is a community where there's only one road into it and one road out. I mean, it's, it's the same road. And the next town is over 120 kilometers away. So we have a, um, a pool of people there and uh, they are looking for jobs. So the stage we are right now, so we have um, five hectares of seaweed in the water and we have a processing plant ready to process the seaweed. And at the moment we are employing 60 people. So 95% of them are local hire, which we're very proud of. And we are also 40% female, which is also something that we're extremely proud of. And we hope to continue to scale that. So what um, Kelp Blue's mission is in our ethos is we have a locals first policy. That means um, wherever possible, it's extended to the local community first jobs. Then it's extended to the region, then the country, and then going abroad. Because we firmly believe that 
if we're going to have a large amount of impact, we need to be employing people that are in the communities because they know the community best. They know what the community needs. And it doesn't make sense um, bringing people in from abroad. And this is something that we'll continue doing. But what we also do is we invest heavily in research and we sponsor master's students to come do research. And that then helps the um, academic levels and the academic knowledge that uh, is in and around kelp forests and something that we will also continue to do. So the having a community impact is very important for us. And what are Kelp Blue's future plans for expanding and increasing that impact? It might sound strange to talk about environmental causes in this way. Nonetheless, you want to replicate the success, I would assume. Absolutely. We we would definitely want to replicate the success. Well, we were certainly not finished in Namibia, so we want to scale in Namibia. And that is uh, number one on our agenda. But if you look at where kelp grows, the kelp that we grow grows in very cold, nutritious um, water. So that means we will, and we're only going to be where the kelp actually grows. So we have a five hectare pilot farm in New Zealand, and hopefully we will also be expanding to Alaska quite soon. So in the coming years, we hope to be operating in multiple locations around the world. And Ahmed, can you talk a little bit about Goopap's plans for perhaps scaling and increasing its impact? Based on our uh, strategy is to uh, continue enhancing and empowering the uh, the resilience of the small and micro enterprises of women, reaching thousands of the women in the coming three years, uh, helping the women to organize themselves in a local uh, community-led forums. That's very important because the change sometimes cannot be happened only by supporting or providing uh, support or uh, aid for the uh, for the women or the enterprises, but the uh, the ability for the women to influence policies, advocate their rights, that also can make uh, a change happen for the sake of the uh, women's situation and improving their lives as well as their uh, livelihoods. Uh, the other issue is to continue developing our regenerative model for the community-led solidarity marketing. We want to involve as much as we can, uh, hundreds and uh, even thousands of women entrepreneurs to be involved in this important program uh, where uh, more production is achieved as well as providing food for thousands of uh, families who are in need, in nutritional food, I mean, for the families who are in need or still uh, displaced, unfortunately, uh, the bad situation in Gaza now under the uh, the ongoing aggressive war is, is inviting us as well as all other actors uh, to have uh, a clear and uh, strategies for uh, response to the uh, very high need, the response to the uh, high destruction being happened and damages in different sector, infrastructure, agriculture infrastructure. That's really a big challenge. Hopefully, the war will end soon so that uh, the reconstruction plans, the national reconstruction plan are highly required and hopefully will be part of this uh, national reconstruction plan to be actively involved in promoting the rights of the urban family farmers, uh, including women entrepreneurs, to be there, raise their voice, uh, as well as talk about their needs uh, clearly and directly. We used to be uh, giving more attention to the uh, local resources and local capacities more than needs. That was our uh, strategy along the past years, uh, shifting from needs to uh, local and community capacities and resources. But I think during and after this war, both are very important, basically to see what are the needs for the early recovery process and the uh, responses, as well as considering the local resources uh, though very limited. 
And Caroline, for Kelp Blue, are there any new projects or initiatives that we should look forward to in the not-too-distant future or long-term future? Absolutely. So we are just at the very beginning of our journey, and we're in it for the long run. So we take a multi-generational approach. So I'll just start with what we're going to be doing in the immediate future. So we plant kelp forests, but we also create products from it. And our first product is a biostimulant. And a biostimulant is something that farmers can use on their crops. And what it does, it it increases the resilience of the crop. And um, we've seen increase in yields across multiple crop um, variations, so grapes, uh, maize, uh, potatoes. So we'll be bringing that to market. And we will also be uncovering more uses for the kelp. And it can be used in um, plastic replacements. It can be used in cosmetics, in nutraceuticals. It is a a great source of something called an alginate, which is a gelling agent. So we are going to be investing heavily in R&D. So that's research and development to uncover what else kelp can be used for. Because what we also hope to do is not only help the blue, so rewild the ocean, but we also want to help accelerate the shift to sustainability in a lot of industries that are historically quite uh, polluting and quite damaging. So that is something that I would say definitely watch out for. Caroline and Ahmed, I know you've been kept incredibly busy during this ambitious COP28 climate conference. I want to thank you for your valuable time and joining us on Business Extra podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Once again, a massive congratulations to this year's winners of the Zayed Sustainability Award. These environmental pioneers and warriors have important stories and messages that need to be heard and hopefully will act as a catalyst for the successful stories and messages of next year's winners. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for listening to this episode of Business Extra. Please remember to follow to get all of our updates as soon as they come out. This episode was produced by Doa Farid, Phil Green, and Arthur Edison. I'm Cody Combs, reporting from COP28 in Dubai.